title this message, True Disciples. You're going to understand why from Jesus' words here in a moment. Um, as we talk about being true disciples, I want to just, first of all, share uh, one of the things I enjoy doing is building. I've always enjoyed building. Um, I, it's just a hobby of mine, working with wood, building projects, home improvements. But as a builder, this is one of the most important tools I have found. A level. Because, you know, if you don't use a level, guess what? You eyeball things. Oh, it looks close, and, and pretty soon it, it can just get worse and worse. And so a level is so important to know what is true to be able to know what is off a little bit. Even if you're hanging pictures on your wall, right? It's kind of helpful. Somebody looks at it like, oh, that thing's off and so forth. Well, how do you know if it's off? You have to have something to compare it to in a level. Or it could be the, the uh, horizontal or the vertical. And you can look for the little bubble to be in between the two lines so that way you know. But for our Christian life, what is our level? God's Word. It's what we base our life against to know if we're off or not. Now, some people say, well, you know, that's outdated and so forth. Let me tell you, the, the Word of God does not change. It says heaven and earth will pass away, and the Word of God is going to last forever. So we base our life on the Word of God. And as Jesus is going to teach us about discipleship, this is an important aspect of knowing whether we're a real disciple or perhaps we're not. And so this is our truth, God's Word, not a level, so to speak, and so this is, in our lives, this is our, our, our level to know how do we base our life, how do we live our life. Without that, you got, everybody's got their own opinion. And if we're not careful, we could be just like they were in the book of uh, Judges, where it says that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Doesn't that describe our society today, our culture? And so we don't want to live that way. And so um, turn, I already told you to turn to John 8, but let's go down to verse 31. And as we talk about being a disciple, you know, we, we can get challenges in life. Uh, my wife and I just got back from uh, taking some time. We were in Iowa. I celebrated my, my mom's 80th birthday up there, and then we were with a family reunion on my wife's side, so we spent some time up there. And on the way back, traveling, traveling's not what it used to be. You all know that, right? <laughs> Flying. Memorial Day weekend, you remember hearing the reports of all the flights that were canceled? Our flight got canceled. I get a text message as we're flying into Atlanta that our flight to Melbourne was canceled. It's Memorial Day weekend. All the flights are full. I'm checking Orlando, checking Melbourne, you know, two days before they're going to be able to get us in. I'm like, what are we going to do? We're going to stay in Atlanta for two days. I'll rent a car. We'll drive down. I got to get back. Well, then we went to the customer service. And they're just taking their time, they're talking to people, and people are coming in the line ahead of us, and it's like, well, you could really lose your discipleship pretty quickly, <laughs> let me tell you. There was a time where my wife had to settle me down, and then there was a time where I had to kind of settle her down a little bit too, didn't I? I said, boy, they're going to respond more favorably to us if we're really nice. Got talking, how are we going to get home? I asked about different airports. I asked about Daytona Beach. They said, yeah, there's... Two, two seats, a flight that gets in at midnight. Take it. Yes, we'll get in, and we'll figure out how we're going to get back from Daytona Beach at midnight. And fortunately, our son drove us uh, back, and then that took another whole day before we got our luggage. But we get these tests. How are we going to respond? What comes out of our life in this? 
And this is a part of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. We should act differently than those in the world. So Brian brought us to, to this point last week. He asked this question, am I religious, am I spiritual, or do I follow Jesus? Remember that? This is a part of the extension of do we follow Jesus as a disciple. So we're in verse 31. Let's start. To the Jews who believed in him, so let's stop right there. Who's his audience right now? They're Jews who believed in him. But he's going to give a little caveat here about being a disciple. Jesus said, if, everybody say if. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You know what that shows me? There could be some times where people are not holding to his teaching. That in the original language, holding, some of your versions might say abide, means to live in, to dwell in, it make, it make it your home, that the Word of God is so a part of it that it just becomes a part of you. It says that if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You know what that shows me? You can believe in Jesus and not be a disciple, doesn't it? And I'm afraid that's where some people are at. Maybe some of you watching or here today, you're a believer in Jesus, but you're not really a disciple. I'm going to give us four things about real disciples from this passage that I hope it, it challenges you, maybe in a good way, to encourage you to move off of the fence, to help you be a true, a real disciple. Verse 32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When do we know the truth? If we hold to his teachings, if we obey him. Which brings us to our first point. True disciples hear and obey God's word. They don't just hear it. They obey it. True disciples hear and obey. That's what Jesus is saying right there. You're really my disciples if you hold to my teachings. And so that's what we want to make sure... If we do that, then we're going to know the truth. This being our level. We're going to know the truth so that we can base our life on it, and that will set us free. I don't want to be in bondage, do you? We want to be free, and the Word of God it gives us the power, the ability to know that truth and the Holy Spirit to help us to be free. Now, some of you may say, well, I don't even know where to start. I'm so so into the so far from this or whatever i just want to encourage you we have a great program here called one-on-one -on -one discipleship where we will match you up with a mentor and help you in your discipleship we have 10 lessons that you go through on your own you meet up with a mentor over a 10 week or whatever period of time it's all very confidential and Men with men, women with women, we try to match you up closer in age. All you have to do is go into our website under Connect, find Discipleship, and, and you can sign up for it, real simple. Also, we need some of you mature believers to step up and say, I'm willing to be a mentor. And I, I've mentored three people through the program. It is wonderful. It's such a great way to meet people you don't normally would meet, and you pour into them. So if you're a mature person, remember, we are to go make disciples that's part of what Jesus' great commission is to us. I just want to encourage you with that. We also have groups like Starting Point that will help in that as well. So here's James 1.22, and it says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, that connects with what Jesus was just saying about the obedience, about holding to it. 
Now, put that verse, oh yeah, you have the verse up there. Look at it, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Why do you think we could be deceived if we just listen to the word? Think about that for a moment. First of all, I think we listen to the word, we're being taught the word, we read the word, we could close it up really quickly and think that we are actually a doer. But see, that is deception. We have to know, are we really obeying it? Are we living it out? Is it changed us? Before I became a Christian, I knew some of the word of God. I was raised in a church. I was taught things in, in confirmation classes and so forth. And I knew things, but it didn't change me. I was not living the word. I was, it did not impact my life like it did after I became born again. I was deceived, though. Some of you might be deceived. By the way, do you, have any of you ever known that you were deceived? Raise your hand if you've known you were deceived. Uh, that's incorrect. If you were deceived, you didn't know it, right? Because that's part of the definition. If you're deceived at that time, you don't know it. Now, you know it later, then you're not deceived, okay? So sometimes we are deceived and we have no idea. This is why, again, we need the, the plumb line, the level of the Word of God to help us to make sure. Let's keep reading, verse 33. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? You know, Jesus had just told them, you'll know the truth, it'll set you free, and now they're offended. We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been a slave. Is that true? Have the people of Israel ever been enslaved? Well, they must have forgot about Egypt 400 years. Uh, the Assyrians came in, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persian Empire. And guess what? While Jesus was teaching at that moment, Rome was in charge, okay? They weren't even free at that time. See, here's the next uh, thing if you're taking notes is self-deception keeps us in bondage. We need to see our need for freedom. And Jesus is going to show us some things from the word here. But many times people are self-deceived. They don't realize they, they're in a bondage. Uh, I remember talking to a person one time and uh, they said, you know, you had shared something from a message years ago and I don't even remember it. They said that you had shared about uh, if you, you know, people related to alcohol that, oh, I don't have any problem. I said, I gave people a 30-day challenge. They, if you can go 30 days without it, you're probably not in bondage. And a guy said, oh, I took that challenge and I realized I couldn't get past day three or four. And he, says, and he said, now I've been free because I did have a drinking problem. And I didn't, and I didn't quite realize how much it had controlled me. There's things that maybe are controlling you in different areas of your life, and you don't realize you're not free. Well, these people didn't see it. And Jesus, they were automatically thinking about other things. But here's the type of things that people can be in bondage of today. Obviously, drugs, alcohol, sexual sins. But how about this? Approval? How many likes? How many followers? How about greed? I got to have it. I got to have it. Overeating, workaholism, anger, lying. There's all kinds of things that people could be caught up into and it causing them a bondage. See, realizing you have a problem is the first step to freedom. So verse 34, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. 
Now, before all of you think, oh, man, we're all busted here. Every one of us is a sinner, right? Anybody perfect? Only Jesus, right? So in the original language, what this means is every, anyone who practices sin, it's a lifestyle of sin. It's not like if you've committed a sin today, you're all of a sudden you're in bondage, you're, you're a slave to it. But there are people, and you could be one of them, who you don't have freedom because you're caught in a lifestyle of sin. It's a pattern. You don't seem like you can get out of it. It's like a slavery. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So he starts to contrast between a slave and a person who's free, a son. Then verse 36, the famous verse we've probably heard many a time, so if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Amen? Amen. Has anybody had the son set him free? Yeah. Hallelujah. I have been. Isn't it wonderful? Some things I got free of real quick. Drug addiction, alcoholism. After I became born again, those left me pretty quickly. Anger, on the other hand, took longer. I don't know why that one took longer. But here's what I know. I've been set free. He who is sunsets free is free indeed. This is not about self-help. This is about Jesus doing his deep work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit and he wants to set us all free. So let's go on to the second point. True disciples have the power to be free from fear, self, others, and sin. Now, why do I mention all four? Look at them up there on the slide. True disciples have the power to be free. Remember, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. First of all, from fear. God doesn't want us living in fear. He wants us to be full of faith. Self, we're probably our own worst enemies. And sometimes we hold ourselves back through our thoughts, negative thinking, and so forth. God wants to set us free from that. Others, some of you are living a life that you're constantly manipulated by others. You're not free to do what you're called to do and do things because you're so afraid of what others are going to think or whatever. God wants to set you free from that and from sin. We just talked about that. So this is what Jesus wants to do. Set us free from these different things. And as disciples, he wants us to experience that. We is get, he's given to us the power. Now, I was, as I was meditating this, I was thinking about our granddaughter, Mary. Uh, she's six now, but a couple years ago, I think she was about four at the time, she was out around town with her mom, our daughter, and uh, uh, little Mary saw a lady who, I don't know what religion she was in, it doesn't really matter. She was dressed all covered with her head, you know, long robe and so forth on a hot day. You've, you've, you've seen people like that around. And little Mary says, look, a lady from the Old Testament. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. And, and they come over to our house, and there's a lady like that in our neighborhood that goes walking around every morning and, and big, looks like a wool, a heavy thing, even on a hot day and so forth. But I got thinking about a lady from the Old Testament. There's a lot of people still living in the Old Testament. The Old Testament being trying to follow laws, trying to follow rules, trying to maybe earn your way to God. See, he, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Jesus came to set us free. And, and if you're here trying to earn your way to God, you feel good when you've done well and you feel like God's mad at you when you don't do well, you're still caught up in the Old Testament. 
We're under a new covenant, a covenant of grace. That doesn't mean we just do anything we want. It's that we now have the power over our sin so that doesn't have control over us. And we want to please God. We want to serve God. We want to give to God. Not because we have to, but because we want to. So totally different. I was thinking about this thing about, about slavery. And I, was, I did a little research. And, you know, the, uh, the uh, emancipation, uh, the abolished uh, slavery took place in uh, 1863. 1863, the emancipation, freeing slaves. But there was a researcher um, named Antoinette Harrell who in her research back in the 50s, she found 20 people at a plantation in Louisiana that were still slaves that did not realize that slavery was abolished. They were at the Waterford Plantation in Louisiana, In other words, they were free, but they were not free. Why weren't they free? Because first of all, somebody kept them in bondage. Someone did not let them know that they were free, that slavery was abolished. And so they were still operating on the slavery system almost 100 years after. And that can be just like any of us. God's word, we just read it. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. But I, get, I guarantee you there's a number of you that are not free. I'm here to proclaim God wants to set you free. Seek out help. We're here. That's part of the reason we're doing the support group fair this weekend. Go to God. Take it serious. Some of you, it might be like, oh, I got to have, I'm going to really think about, am I really free or not? Maybe I'm not. That's the first step. I'm going to invite Bob Scott to come on up. Come on, Bob. Can you give Bob a hand? Bob's going to share a a quick story with you about his life, the testimony about how God has set him free. Bob serves here as our head of our Celebrate Recovery ministry and serves in a lot of other areas, all as a volunteer, using his time and talent for the Lord. But he's got a powerful story about what Jesus has done in his life. So thank you, Bob. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Um, Let me open in prayer real quick. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to to praise and lift you up in glory, Lord. I ask, Lord, that uh, my story, my my struggles, and and what I have to offer, Lord, is uh, nothing more than uplifting to you and to the people who hear it. Holy Spirit, bless my words. Make it powerful. I pray that it would prick the hearts of many people here. In your holy name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Bob Scott, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And first of all, let me tell you that I'm a recovered 42-year alcoholic. I've known sobriety for over seven years now. I used drugs into my mid-30s. I was asked to leave three high schools before I graduated from a fourth. This was where I met my bride. I had major issues with pride and anger back then. As my bride would have said, I was cocky, arrogant, and prideful. Three things that God does not like. I also have known the grief of losing all but two of my family members 
in a short amount of time. More recently, we lost our son, Jason, at 39 years old. He was a suffering alcoholic, like father, like son. I had been sobered up for a time, and I was trying to get him through the one-step recovery program. But he was so deep into his addiction that he died in the hospital. And I believe that God had, had taken my son early so that, that Satan would not have his hands on him. I sank into depression, and I, I relapsed, and I buried myself in alcohol to try and cope with it. And this broke our marriage. My bride had had enough. My son had died. Her father had died. And now here I was back in the, the stronghold of alcohol. She decided, and rightfully so, to leave after we had a heated discussion. I didn't really communicate or share my grief and my pain. But mostly it was my guilt and shame that I could not face. It was my example as a father that I felt that had killed my son. I came home from work one Friday night to an empty house, and there was a letter on the counter. Satan had divided our home. This was on a Friday. I came to the altar the next day. Sincerely, this time I promised. I vowed to God that if he would take away my addiction, that if he would restore my marriage, I would never tell him no to whatever he called me to. And he has kept me to that word since then numerous times. I haven't looked back. You see, we serve a mighty God. Amen? We serve a loving God. Amen? And we serve a forgiving God. I repented and I rededicated my life to serve and follow Jesus Christ. In his scripture of Ezekiel 36, 26, God promised me. He said, Bob, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove your stony heart. And I will give you a heart of flesh. In due time, I had been delivered from alcohol, drug addiction, and illness almost immediately, praise God. I attended one step and then later celebrate recovery, which I now lead. I have known healing of several illnesses. Most recently, I was diagnosed with aortic aneurysms. The doctor sent me to a cardiologist specialist who ran a myriad of scans, only to reveal that those those aneurysms didn't exist in my body. A similar thing happened to me in 2019 at the start of the school of ministry. I had a weird bout of seizures that went on, so much that it hospitalized me. And during their scans, they discovered I had a brain lesion. A couple of weeks later, after a bunch of prayer and and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and healing, they sent me to the Mayo Clinic, and they ran a barrage of tests on me. And not only did my seizures disappear, but there was no brain lesion evident. 
And if you're wondering, he also restored my marriage. We are rededicated by the power of Jesus Christ. We've been together 50 years now. I've been, I've been married to my beautiful bride 48 years. Today, my bride and I, we both serve in the children's ministry. She's on staff here at the church. I've been called to serve in many other capacities here, the parking lot, security, celebrate recovery, most recently, the prayer team. I, I attend the men's ministry regularly. I volunteer in the outreach and more. I told Jesus I would never turn him no and tell him no, and I would never turn him down. And I meant it. Uh, Ann says I'm not done yet because I still have Mondays and Fridays open. <laughs> but I'll wait for the guidance of the Spirit for that. And last year, yes, I graduated the School of Ministry in September. One of the greatest callings of my life. And because of that, in February this year, I was able to perform my daughter's wedding ceremony as well. As my time comes to a close, I want to leave you with this, that I am nothing more than just a sinner saved by grace, and it is by faith and obedience, I believe that in John 8, 36, we are assured of our freedom that is found only in Jesus Christ because he tells us that if the Son does set you free, you are free indeed. Amen? I want to thank you for hearing me today, and I want to thank also Pastor Dave Folkerts for the invitation. Thank you all. After what he said, he, he couldn't turn down my invitation um, because he'd, he'd already, when I asked him to come up, he said, well, I did tell God anytime there was a door open, I was going to do it. So, yeah, so anyway, so thank you, Bob. Yeah, just a, a tremendous blessing to have him serving, um, using his gifts for the Lord. Let's get back to our text, verse 37. Jesus says, I know you're Abraham's descendants. Remember, they're trying to argue the whole, we've never been, you know, slaves. We're, we're part of Abraham and so forth. He says, I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Yet I'm telling you that what I've seen in the Father's presence and you're doing what you've heard from your father. So he's going to start to contrast with this group of people, their father versus his father. And it's it really... Um, an example of these people were saying one thing, but they were doing another. They're claiming their Jewish faith, their faith in, the, in God the Father, but then they're wanting to, to kill Jesus, hatred, and so forth. Verse 39, Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. How many people don't that they hate us because we tell them the truth. The truth that comes from God's word. People hate it, don't they? And I think the division between those who are obeying God's word and those who are not is getting wider and wider. And Abraham, back to our text here, verse in the middle of 40, it says, Abraham did not do such things. You are really you are doing the works of your own father. 
Of course, then they reply, we're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Do you know that was such a slam against Jesus? You know what they were saying to Jesus? We know your background. We know your mom got pregnant before she was married. You're illegitimate. That's what they were accusing Jesus right there. But see, Jesus is talking about, okay, I know that Abraham is your father. You're descendants of Abraham, but you're not true children. Children out of relationship. So here's our third thing. True disciples have a new identity in Christ. If we're a true disciple, we should have a new identity, and that is we have a new father. We're not going to be like the world. And here's the problem is that too many Christians call themselves Christians, and they act and live every bit as much like the world. We're called to be different. We're not called to hate people, but we're called to live for God in a way that our lifestyle is different. A true disciple now has God as a father. Why is that so important? It's because God, as our father, he loves us. He cares for his own children. He's guiding us. He's providing and protecting us. And I know you as earthly fathers would do that for your own kids. Just think how much we're, we're flawed fathers. Our heavenly father's perfect. He will take care of his children. That's why it's so good to be in his family. And verse 42 says, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come uh, here from God. I have not come from my, on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? And Jesus is going to answer, because you're not unable to hear what I say. See, unbelievers have a hard time understanding God, have a hard time even reading the Bible. See, we come to God first, and then he begins to allow it to make sense. When I, before I became a born-again Christian, I remember trying to read the Bible. And I could read it because it was English. I understood English. But I didn't really understand it. Did any of you have problems like that before? Then you become born again. What happens? You're reading along. Wow! You ought to see this. You know, like verses jumping out off the page. It's like God is speaking to you because this is a spiritual book. It needs to be spiritually discerned. And that's one of the benefits of the Holy Spirit in us as a Christ follower is he gives us understanding. There are people who can be intellectual. They can read things but not understand them. This is a case here. So this leads us to our fourth thing. Our last one is true disciples hear God's voice. Not only are we part of the family, new identity in Christ, but we hear his voice. And there's many ways. I think in a, in a few weeks I'll be in chapter 10. I'm going to be doing a little bit more detail about hearing the voice of God. But the primary way we hear the voice of God is through his word, the Bible. And there are other ways as well. We'll, we'll wait and get into that in more detail. But back to verse 44. Jesus, now, he's going, to get, uh, he's going to get pretty tough with these guys and these gals. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> Jesus doesn't pull any punches, does he? Some of you think sometimes pastors might get a little harsh. Well, sometimes the truth can be harsh, especially if you're living in sin. But I would rather be harsh and wake somebody up and challenge them to make a change than to sugarcoat it. And there's plenty of churches out there that will sugarcoat things. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I can tell you, I've mentioned some things up here from the pulpit that sometimes we get nasty emails about. 
They don't want to hear it. And you know what? If I was a man-pleasing pastor, I'd begin to start to change my messages. So I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to feel good when you come to church. Does Jesus do that? He speaks truth. He does it in a loving way. But truth is truth, and truth is narrow by definition. So look what he says there. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, he lied to Adam and Eve, and he, he really murdered them spiritually. God had said, the day you eat of this fruit, the day you do it, you will die spiritually. And that's exactly what happened. He, he actually murdered Adam and Eve through his lies. We see in John 10, verse 10, it says about Satan, he says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But look what Jesus said about himself. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is why it's so important to know God's word. Because here's what happens. If you don't know God's word, and you're not obeying God's word, you don't know the truth to set you free, you start to get thoughts in your mind. I'll never be able to do that. I'm no good. Everybody hates me. Now, does that sound like that's coming from the father of lies, or is that coming from God who's wanting to give us life? That's from the father of lies. That's from Satan. This is why it's so important, because then you can catch those lies quickly and reject them. Get rid of those lies. Some of you, if you're feeling like God is angry, he's mad at you, I can tell you, that's not coming from our God that I read about in the Bible here. He loves us so much, he sent Jesus Christ to die for us. That's why, you know, it's so important to be in the Word of God daily, and not just come to church and hear about it, so it becomes a part of us. That's where we abide in his Word, true disciples abiding and living and dwelling in his Word. You know, I was thinking about the, the father of lies. You know, some people can lie and, and it, they, they deceive people with their lies, don't they? And I was just thinking, before the Ukraine war, do you remember? You probably watched the news like myself. Big military built up on the border of Ukraine in Russia. The Russians building up all this military. Time and time again, Putin would be there on TV saying, we're just doing military exercises. We're not going to invade Ukraine. Am I right? You heard him. Was that true or not? It was not true. See, some people can just lie, 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 and they're almost like they're deceived themselves. This is why it's so important that we detect lies, and we can reject those, especially when they're spiritual ones, where the enemy plants things into our mind. Let's keep going. Verse 45. Yet because I tell you the truth... See, Jesus kept coming back at him with truth. He said, because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me wrong, prove me guilty of sin? And they couldn't. If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you belong, do not belong to God. See, that's just saying that again, what I just said. If you don't belong to God, you're going to have a hard time understanding the Scriptures. And if you can't understand the scriptures, you're going to have a hard time obeying the scriptures. We come to God first. We, we understand our need for him. And then he starts, starts to make sense. If you're waiting until it all makes sense, it may not ever if you're not a follower of Jesus. 
It's when we begin to follow it starts to make sense. Verse 48, the Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and demon-possessed? See, see, they couldn't say that he was doing any sin, so now what do they do? They go to resort to name-calling. You're a Samaritan. You're demon-possessed. That's what they're calling Jesus. Look at Jesus' response in verse 49. I'm not demon. I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. Do you know what I, uh, I like about that? Is Jesus shows us something else that's very subtle. He doesn't put down another race. You don't see Jesus, no, I'm not a Samaritan, kind of like in a defensive way. He just lets that go. Because in doing that, he would have been almost kind of like putting down the Samaritans. But he did say, I'm not demon-possessed. You can see what he was, his whole goal was to honor this father. But these people were dishonoring him. Verse 50, I'm not seeking glory for myself. You know what? If we're Christ followers, we shouldn't be seeking glory for ourselves either. But there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. That is such a key principle. We don't have to fear death if we obey his word. Spiritual death. Now, until, unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, we will experience physical death, but there's something much worse than physical death, right? That's where we are a dead apart from God, spiritually condemned to a place called hell for eternity. We don't ever have to experience that if, if we're obeying his word, if we're followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 51 is such a key verse in this. We'll never see it. Verse 52, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter and then wrap things up here in a minute. It says, at this they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Can't you just see them shaking their religious finger? Who do you think you are? Well, we know who he is, right? They didn't know. Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I, I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Now, you might be thinking, where, where, did, where did Abraham see Jesus? There was many cases in the Old Testament where it was called a pre-carnate Jesus would show up in a situation. And you could read Genesis 18 as an example where, where Jesus, according to this, Jesus had conversation with Abraham. He was there with a couple other visitors, and later there's a dialogue between Abraham and the Lord right there. And so this is one of those cases where he, he actually saw Jesus. He says, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Yet you are not 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? See, they're just thinking so much in the natural. They just don't get it, do they? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, 
They picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Twice in this chapter, these, these people are ready to stone someone. Remember the woman caught in adultery? They're, ready. They're walking around with a pocket of rocks, I'm convinced. They're ready. And now they hear Jesus claiming to be God. When he said, before Abraham was born, I am, they knew exactly what he was saying. He was taking the very name that God said was his name in the burning bush with Moses. Let's look at it up on the screen. Exodus 3, 13 and 14, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. These Jewish leaders knew that verse, those verses. They had it memorized. And when when, uh, Jesus is saying... Before Abraham was born, I am. Why did they pick up these rocks? and Why did they want to stone him? Because they were accusing him of blasphemy. They thought he was claiming to be God. And he was. Make no mistake. Sometimes the cults will come and knock at your door. And they'll tell you, oh, you know, Jesus is a good person. He's a teacher. He's a prophet. But they'll tell you things that, he, that he, no, he's not God. He never claimed to be God. Uh, it, tell that to these Jewish leaders. They, they understood what he was saying. These cults might not, but he was claiming to be God. And he does it over, I think there's three times in this chapter he says, I am. So really, this last uh, point for us on the screen is this discipleship starts by knowing Jesus is God. That's where it all starts, by knowing Jesus is God. Now, I'm going to give us a little test, a little review based on what the message was here. And you'll see this. Next slide. Am I a true disciple of Jesus? That's a question for all of us, right? You would hate to be deceived, right? So we're going to use the truth of what we just learned, what we just went through in this passage to say... Of what we just learned, am I a true disciple? And I can't answer that for you. But here's the the thing. Are we knowing and obeying God's word? First, First thing, Jesus said, you're really my disciple if you're holding to my word. Okay? Then he said, are we are we experiencing freedom? He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Are you experiencing freedom? Some of you are in a bondage right now. You know it. Maybe your spouse doesn't know it. Maybe no one else knows it. Well, God knows it. But here's the thing about this bondage. You might think it's your friend. You might think, oh, you know, this is okay. Nobody knows. It's not hurting anyone. It's hurting your walk with God. Get help. Take it serious. God wants to set you free. Next, are you living your new identity in Christ? Is is he your father? Are you part of the family of God? And lastly, are you hearing his voice? As you read the Bible, do you hear his voice speaking to you? That's what a true disciple has taking place. If you're not, you're not hearing that. Just as Jesus said, 
to these people. They weren't able to hear it and understand it because they, weren't, they, didn't, they had a different father. I leave you with the last verse here that we, we already read, and I just want to highlight it in verse 51. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. So important. I don't want any of you to ever experience that death, that eternity away from God forever. And you don't have to. And it all starts with our relationship with God, realizing that Jesus is God, and I'm going to follow him. He's my Lord, my Savior, and I'm going to give you an opportunity in our prayer time to do that. So would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Let's pray, first of all, for, for our discipleship. Lord, I pray for everyone watching online and here in person, and even those going to listen to this message later, that we would all examine our hearts to know whether we're a true disciple of you, Lord Jesus, or whether we maybe just have a belief, maybe a belief that's not causing us to follow you, not changing. Maybe we're stuck in a rut. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us with your love to take that step, to, to answer that invitation of come follow me. I pray for those who are in some type of bondage. They don't have freedom. I pray that you would give them help, that they would get into one of the support groups or that they would... They would they would reach out for counseling or some help. Maybe they would get into a one-on-one discipleship program that they would get the help they need from you. Lord, we know that you often work through people. As a church, we want to help people. We want to be a hospital for the hurting. Lord, I pray for those who just need that, that arms of love wrapped around them to understand they have a new identity in Christ. They have a different father. They're part of the kingdom of God now. And help them to not listen to those lies of the enemy. And lastly, Lord, I pray that you would open the ears, the spiritual ears of your disciples to hear, understand your word. And Lord, I believe you're speaking to some people that they need to start by making a a fresh commitment to you today. That they dedicate their lives, just as Bob talked about, that he had to get to that point where he did that and it changed everything in his life. I pray for, for people. And let me just lead you in a prayer. If that's you right now, Let me just pray for you. Just pray this under your breath. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but I know Jesus Christ came to set me free to forgive me of all my sin. He died on that cross for for me, and he's now risen from the dead. I invite you to come and forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you. Send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Set me free, Lord. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.